You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. And the manatees are contained within the order Sirenia. And so this term Sirenia is a reference to the mythical siren of home. What can they teach us? Their lungs, kind of, yeah, again, what these aquatic mammals are just so incredible, like going back to the Oh, yeah, so their adaptations. Yeah, they, they replace 90% of the air in their Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. All right, welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Hey, Angie, welcome back. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today. This podcast is going to be amazing. Yes, it's a really great one. And uh, I know you were up in Michigan, but I'm sure it's probably good to be back in warm Florida. Nice, sure. hot, humid. Yeah, sweaty, um, <laughs> humid, hot. <laughs> I miss it. I'm free. She, Angie can see me on, on webcam. I'm like in three, I literally have three layers of coats on and I have a blanket over my legs because it is so cold. <laughs> I'm going to have to send you some polar fleece because I need it. it's all need it. about the layers. If you've got, if you have the bright layers in cold climate, you're fine. Oh, it sucks. I miss Florida. Uh, especially because <laughs> these guys today, the Florida manatee or the manatee, the West Indian manatee, the West African manatee, everything manatee today. Everything manatee today. And yeah, we get to talk about another species, uh, really near and dear to both of our hearts, mm-hmm. especially you. You get to do, you got to do some research and are doing right. research with them. And right. since I live in Florida, I, Luckily enough, I've been able to snorkel with them and see them a lot, and both in the wild and um, at a few different uh, animal uh, reservation preserve parks. So, right, right, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say uh, Lowry Park, one of my favorite zoos in Florida by far. It's just awesome zoo. Besides, you know, the one there in Gainesville is my favorite, of course. But Good save Chris. Good save. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Lowry Park, you know, they did a lot with manatee, you know, saving manatees and bringing them in under oh, human yeah. care and rehabilitating them and then re-releasing them. So mm-hmm. they do quite a bit, bit of work with. So shout out to them. I just love that place. It's just a great place. Yeah. And just in general, shout out to the manatees, because if you're listening and you haven't looked at a photo or a Google image or a video of a manatee, any manatees, any of the any of the main species, up close and personal, 
please do that now. Yeah. Just, just put this podcast on pause. Yeah, because look at they it. are the cutest roly poly teddy bears of the sea, or they are of the estuaries. I mean, they are just the cutest thing you've ever seen. And yeah. I know that I'm biased for many reasons. I'll admit that. Yeah. But even my four year old Xander, we recently saw one, mm-hmm. and he was just in love. Like he talks about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They are amazing. And you know, we're they're gonna just get cute. to. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. We're, we're going to get to their description here in a second, but just uh, real quick, to, uh, a couple things for us. If you haven't gone to iTunes, please go and provide a rating and review. We'll just keep begging, please. We really appreciate it. But uh, the other announcement is we have a great interview on Thursday. Angie said, I, I have been involved with some research, and the, the lead researcher, Jonathan Cowart, I actually interviewed him the other day and talked about some of the work that he's doing. Because I'll be honest with you, he is one of a handful that understand manatee reproduction. You know, there's not many of these experts around and he's one of the few people that has dedicated his life to learning as much as he can. And so we'll talk a little bit about the research that we're doing, but Thursday we really get into it and, and he's really great. Well, spoken. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I tell, I will touch on repro today, but I'm going to leave a lot of that up to the, the ex, the expert in the field right now in the state yeah, of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is. I mean, by far, he knows more about it than you know, even as a committee member that that we do. You know, he's teaching us stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, he's great. He's great. So let's talk sea cows, Angie, and stay tuned because at the end we're going to talk about why the heck we would even call these sea cows. Awesome. But these manatees, yeah, they're known for being called sea cows. So these are one of my favorites because not only because I'm doing research with them, but they're the closest relative to my favorite babies the elephants yes so yes just, i know chris yeah. i maybe it's because i was back in michigan and now i'm mm-hmm. refreshed back in florida and i could just be like in a really good mood today i'm not sure but with doing this research on the mantis i found myself singing all day mm-hmm. i've been singing jimmy buffett all day and yeah. so I know it seems a little different, like Manatees and Jimmy Buffett, but if you stick with us long enough, um, I promise I'll sing you a little ditty, but I will also yeah. explain why Jimmy Buffett's been in my head and my heart all day, because it's, uh, besides he's a fun, obviously, musical artist from right. Florida, but yeah, it's just, I'm in just yeah, like okay. a manatee okay. kind okay. of mood. It's just been fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I guess Jimmy Buffett would put me in a manatee mood, you know, the tropical sun, the islands, you know, yeah. Florida, the Keys. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's good stuff. Okay. It's just yeah. so, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah stay, stick with me for the surprises at the end. And then we always like to give a description before we, we really get rolling into it. And as Angie said, they're, they're just cute, cuddly teddy bears. I think they look like a big sausage that just has <laughs> front flippers and this round, flat tail. Like, you know, I can it's see like, that, Chris. Almost like, yeah. yeah. Take away the teeth. It looks like a naked mole rat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Definitely. They're definitely rotund. There's no way, yes. way, shape, or form of getting away from that. And yeah, yeah they have the, the, the flippers, but their tail is so cool. It's like a yeah. huge circle. So it's not like a yeah. like a fluke, like Flat a dolphin spin, or a, yeah. a, a flipper that a whale a tail flipper that like a whale would have. It's just this huge, round, flat like a pancake. So it's basically right. so yeah, it's you crazy. know it's like a sausage and a pancake. 
Yeah, breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So with the cu- with the cutest darn face you've ever seen. They right? are. I mean, they are. They are. Like you know, you look at naked bull rats. You're like, oh, you're the most hideous looking thing on earth, but you're so cute. Like you just love them. Manatees, you can't really say they're ugly. They're just cute. They're just cute. No, they have yeah. these cute eyes and then their mouth with the prehensile yeah. lips, if you will. Yeah. We'll describe those a little bit better later yeah. on. Uh, and then they have whiskers mm-hmm. uh, um, on their face and then actually distributed a little bit hairs throughout, um, small hairs throughout their body. And yeah, right. they're going to be a gray brown in color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the newborns are typically born a darker color, but right. once they're about one month old, they lighten up into the typical gray or brown. Uh, a lot of times you'll see they have uh, a little bit of algae built up on yeah, their skin too, crazy. so they can yeah. be sh- shades of green. Uh, but yeah, they're just, they're in, and they're big up yeah. close and personal when yeah. um, the few times I've seen them. Um, both obviously like in the wild, but then in aquariums is, yeah, when they're, when they're right next to you, they can be like, ten uh, feet long. Yeah. yeah three meters. Three. Yeah. yeah. Three, four meters, I mean, I, I read somewhere as big as 15 feet and then they can weigh up to 1200 pounds, like just yeah. huge, huge, or for their metric, uh, four and a half meters long or 550 kilograms. So they mm-hmm. are not small by any stretch. You know, they're, they're, they're big, they're big, you know, and it's funny because, you know, looking into this research and we're going to get in a second, get into some of the species and the dugong, you know, the manatees versus dugongs, but these were some animals that people really, this gives the myth of mermaids, doesn't it? Like they, they were manatees or these dugongs that they thought, oh, and they, that kind of gave them the idea that there was mermaids out in the ocean. Oh yeah, Chris. Uh, in 1943, good old Columbus, uh, who traveled. 19, from- 1943. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't too long ago. Six years, seventy years ago. <laughs> okay, I've been on vacation a little too long. Okay, I've been on vacation a little too long. Uh, time to get back to work, Angie. Yes. All right, let me. Let's. That's not. I think a little you bet. Dysle- 1493. Yeah, a little dyslexia uh, kicking in there. Yes. Yeah, so, in, let's try this again. Yeah. In 1493, uh, Columbus actually entered in his logbook a sighting of a mermaid in the Caribbean. Oh, okay. So in the log, he also made side notes that the mermaid was not as beautiful as sailors had been led to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think so. <laughs> and of course, we all know he had not actually seen a mermaid, but instead a manatee. And this log entry became the first written historical reference to the now greatly endangered uh, West Indian manatee. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I could see it. You're right. And so he probably was seeing the Antillean West Indian manatee. Correct. So if mm-hmm. you look at the different species, and these are all Cyrenians. So Siren, right? Siren, that's kind of where they... Yes. Yeah. And the manatees are contained within the order Cyrenia. And so this term mm-hmm. Cyrenia is a reference to the mythical Siren of Homer's Odysseys, which is a beautiful mm. mermaid who, of course, lured sailors to treacherous waters and reefs. And mm. all three species, is it three or four species? Well, there's, so you have the different species of manatee. Uh-huh. So there are three species within the, the Cyrenians. So you have the West Indian manatee. And so Columbus probably saw the Antillian. And so that's the one that that's basic, you know, around the Caribbean islands, Mexico, Nor the northern parts of South America. Yeah. 
Then you have the Florida manatee, which is the East Coast of the United States, Florida, obviously, and then parts of the Gulf Coast. And then, so that's the West Indian manatee, yes. those two subspecies. The Florida and the Antillean are the subspecies right. of the West Indian. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what we're really going to focus today. Now, you do have the Amazonian manatee mm-hmm. that lives in the Amazonian River, or Amazon, Amazonian, Amazon River. And then the West African manatee, mm-hmm. okay, which is on the west coast of Africa. So those are the main species of manatee. Now, within the Cyrenians, there is this other species, the dugong. Yes, Chris. I, I mean, I have to tell the truth. My, my mother raised me well. Yeah. I don't know if I just have mom brain, but I really don't know if I ever really knew what a, a dugong was like new to me today. Right, right. No, no, no. And it is. Am I a bad person? Old, old... I, am I, should I, no, should I not no, be a zoologist? I, I, I don't no. know my marine mammals very well. Because uh, they're on my side of the earth right now, Angie. They're not, uh, you know, Europe, Africa, you know. Oh, thanks, the, buddy. The you're, you're a nice guy for not, not teasing me about no, it. No, but I mean, honestly, the only reason I knew about them really, it's, it's, it's one of these obscure species is because of the research that we're doing. And then like, we talked in Naked Mole Rats about Prof down in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Jonathan and I, and I actually talk uh, quite a bit about him because Jonathan went with, when I sent Danielle down there, you know, through my, I actually urged him to go with her and he did, thank goodness. And they got to work with Prof down there. Prof has done some work in dugongs. Okay. You know, yeah. So. And, and, you know, of course, okay. um, John, my husband, I was like, oh, I'm, Am I alone? I mean, have you heard of dugongs? And he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) We've got to find things to stump that chump because he is not easy to stump with this stuff. And then he was going off on the evolution. And I was just like, well, do you want to be the guest evolution person today? (laughs) Or can you just give me the cliff notes, which he wouldn't give me the cliff notes. And so I just said, well, he's like, no, when you have a true um, parasodactyl or air Aerodac- I didn't say it right either. Either so, um, I told him when we do cover hippos that since he specialized in he specializes in right. um, you know even toed and on toed ungulates that he could do the evolution in that for me he, yes. he could sub for a few minutes and go over that. Since yeah, he, that'd be cool. Since that'd he be cool. He's so yeah. darn smart. He is really smart. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. We'll, we'll have a John as a guest speaker on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty great. No, so the yeah, so the the dugong is strictly in the ocean, okay, in salt water. Right. Okay. Where the the West Indian manatee, the one we'll be talking about today, yeah. is subtropical waters, but can withstand great changes in salinity. So they can be right. in the yeah. ocean or in the brackish salty waters, waters yeah. but then also in the freshwater springs. Yeah, yeah, and the West African too. I mean, they just they go back and forth, uh-huh. but this dugong does not. And the dugong, so the dugong, and I'm going to put a picture on the show notes for sure. It looks, you know, they look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. The manatee, its mouth's a little bit different, so the mouth is a little bit more down. Their snouts pointed down. They have the flippers like the manatee, but their tails look like a dolphin or whale's fluke. Yes, that's that's so it's bizarre. It it's is. Bizarre. It's like a mismatch. Like put the pieces of the it animal totally part is. puzzles. Yeah, it would be like a good game for my my one and a half year old. <laughs> and you wouldn't yeah, think that either one of these tails go yeah, it's it's interesting. And it, it it's like coevolution because they have we 
these Syrians are not related to dolphins and whales at all. Not at all. At all. It, and that is one of the more fascinating things about, I think, this family is that mm-hmm. the way they look, how they operate, how are they more closely related to um, some of the land mammals that we'll talk about if you stick with us here pretty soon mm-hmm. than they are whales and Dolphins, yeah, it's just dolphins. wacky. It's crazy. You gotta it love evolution. Yeah, it's you gotta totally love evolution knows. for sure. And even the pinnipeds, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah. yeah, they're just, oh, the earth is so amazing. Nature is so incredible. These animals are just incredible. So, so anyways, Angie, it's, you know, you have these aquatic mammals. They, they live in the coastal areas, you know, mostly the tropics and the, the dugong, I should say the dugong, it lives in the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have East Africa, uh, parts of, you know, West, Southwest Asia, the Middle East area, India, and then they're doing really well in Australia. Oh, good. The, the waters off Australia, you know, Indonesia, things like that. Yeah. So you might be able so, to see one while you're in New Zealand. Yeah, they're not this, you know, they're not down here because it's too dang too cold. cold. Yeah. yeah. I still got to see blue whale. That's my, that's my goal right now is to see a blue whale. So it's I'm, good to have goals. Yes. yes. I will see a blue whale. When in Rome. And that was, that was always my mentality too with being in Florida, moving from up north, especially being in where I'm located in north central Florida is you have to go see the manatees. Yes. I mean, how, how can you not? And yeah. it did take me probably about, Two two and a half or three years to finally do it, but I uh, actually went with uh, my sister, her husband, John, mm-hmm. my husband John, but then Anna, our my mm-hmm. other our your other graduate student, yeah. uh, lab mate. We did. We probably skipped your lab, took the day off. Is <laughs> <laughs> that where you were when I was yeah, looking yeah, for you both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fine. a cold February day in Florida, which is not really that cold, and yeah. we put uh, wetsuits on, and we, uh, of course, in Florida, if you are going to swim with them which is not really swimming with them it's mm-hmm. uh it's more just being in the water near them you're not allowed to touch them mm-hmm. you have to stay a certain amount of feet away from them and you have to go with a licensed operator and mm-hmm. they uh and we went we happened to go in Crystal River Florida uh which is a very popular area cuz the manatees at least the west indian and i think most manatees what they do is they don't have the extra layer of fat or blubber that a lot of mammals are sorry that a lot of the whales and dolphins have so even though they they do are very rotund <laughs> they in the winter months they need to come into the warmer water so when the water in the ocean or the and they they hang out in the shallow rivers canals salt bays estuary coastal reefs but when uh when that water gets colder below 68 they don't like it so they mm-hmm. are they are animals after my own kind. They're like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. heck no, Too get me cold. out of here. So they m- migrate and they move inward into these uh, into these rivers where the water's shallow and warmer, and that's where they'll spend a lot of the wintering months, like right. January, February, March. So February is a great time, and yeah, and so you can go see them in these very shallow, shallow freshwater. Springs, yeah, yeah, and but it was good. I was very skeptical, being a nature lover, and also I don't. I always want to make sure the animal is being respected and not mm-hmm. exploited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and and I, and there's controversial reviews of like, is you know, should people be doing this? Shouldn't they? Obviously, right. it generates a lot of income, and some of that goes back into their preservation and, of course, uh, protecting the waterways. But yeah, I must. The operation that we went with was obviously very licensed. 
to the yeah, and yeah. very very thorough. We had to watch well, an half an hour the, video. The whole yeah, it's the whole thing with ecotourism. It's when it's mm-hmm. done right, it benefits the community because Crystal River and and I kayak there and it's just you know going to that the the springs you know the springs are roped off so there's places where boats can't go people can't go so the manatees have areas where they they will not be bothered and then you know we were kayaking and we had a mom and calf come right up to us and it was just like they are very curious yeah yeah yeah. no it's so cool and yeah and and they do limit the amount of people that go out to it per day in boats so it wasn't even that crowded when we went and obviously you're not allowed to touch them or seek them out you just have to kind of float and they don't really do anything they just like float so are they they'll go down into the water a little bit lower and then they need to come up for air every two to five minutes if Yeah. yeah if they're not unless they're being like super active or grazing or something yeah and then they come back up and so I was, I was smart enough to like know their behavior to know they would have to come up for air. So I would, instead of being right near where everyone was near it, mm-hmm. I would kind of go off to the side by myself. And that's usually right. where they would come up for air. And so I right. could get a, a little bit closer, uh, and obviously not touch them or anything, but had no, my no. intimate manatee time. And yeah, it was, it was just incredible and, yeah. and yeah, life changing. Yeah, it was just a really incredible experience. Definitely on my bucket list. Checked off. I'm really glad I skipped your class that day. And... <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it it wasn't you it... skipping a class. It was like, hey, I need your help in Yeah, I was going to say, definitely. I'm not like... a, yeah, I'm not a class skipper. It was more like, hey, we need to organize the lab. And, and I'm like, I'm out of here. You're like, I'm out of here. Hey, Anna, let's go, uh, let's go look at Mancy's. Well, you know, and, and we, Jonathan and I get a little bit more into this on Thursday when we, uh, with the interview. So you want to listen to that. But as far as, you know, manatees coming into the winter, you know, staying in these springs, one of the major things that causes mortality is not only just, you know, human conflict, which James is going to talk about here in a second, but cold shock is a big one. So, yes. you know, Jonathan, to do his research, he has, uh, Fortunately, been able to do a lot of necropsies, you know, for for him to have access to material. Which to just study. remind the listeners that a necropsy is this like is a- when the animal they, they the Fish and Wildlife Florida Fish and Wildlife would find a dead manatee and they'd have to decide how it died. Yeah, it I always just think strike, of it as like you know? a as an animal autopsy for it is. I don't know yeah. why, but in within the animal world, we use ne- necropsy or necropsy instead, instead of, of autopsy. autopsy. Yeah. So it's trying to determine why the animal died and Jonathan would, would go down there and collect, uh, reproductive organs and things like that. So he could describe this stuff, but yeah, that, that's a big one, you know, and then we get a little bit into the controversy and the politics on what's going on in Florida, you know, so it, it, it kind of begs the question, why care about manatees? You know, what are they doing for the environment? What are they doing for, you know, the world? For me, it's so easy. You should care about manatees because they are amazing. Uh, they are one of the only herber- herbivorous plant eating marine mammals out there besides like the dugong. And I've, of course, for me, it's an easy answer because I've swam with them. I've seen them up close and personal. But with that being said, just recently, about a month or two ago, I brought my boys, uh, to the Crystal River area to a place called Homosassa Springs Wildlife State Park, which is awesome. They 
Uh, it's of course in Homosassa Springs, Florida, and you can view manatees living in their natural environment. So it's in a, in the springs. So it's, yeah, they're not, it's not a captive setting. And the park is fun. They also have other, an, other native Florida wildlife that you can view as well. Uh, but the manatees just swim in and then they have a dugout. My, my son Xander calls it a fishbowl. So it's basically like a floating platform out into a big, open river area that's like crystal clear. And then they went ahead and basically went down and made like a glass bowl for the, for lack of better terms that you go, you, the human, the human goes into their environment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you can see them up top from the floating platform, but then you can go down and they're grazing and swimming by you. Oh my God. Why did I never do that? I know. So I, I I didn't, my sister, bless her heart. She's awesome. She was like, you have to bring Xander here. And I was like, Oh, this is, you know, just a small little park. I, I can see manatees anywhere. Why is this so special? And then I found out about the fishbowl and Xander, (laughs) this is a couple months ago and he's still, I mean, once a week he brings up the manatee fishbowl and how he could see them and see how big they were and see what they were eating and how, and then they pooped mm-hmm. in front of us, which, you know, if you're four, <laughs> I don't care if you're four years old or, uh, my age, I won't say my age because I'm a lady. Uh, it's always cool. I, it, and I was like, Oh, their, their, their poop totally looks like horse poop. <laughs> oh God. Cause they're, they're herbivores, right? So, yes, and you were swimming in that, by the way. Uh, well, it was the last time not I saw that him. day. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah, uh, not that yeah. day. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for Keep me, it's closed. it's it's the state uh, of Florida. It's our official marine mammal, and it's so with tourists and the economy. I think it's just it's there's no doubt why we should really keep restrictions going and keep protecting them in their environment, and also work very very hard to protect the oceans and or estuaries and of course these crystal clear rivers let's keep them crystal clear from all the Mm -hmm. pollutants and plastics so um but i think historically they've kind of worked alongside mankind because the west indian manatee as i'm sure all the other species they've been hunted for their meat Mm -hmm. their hide their bones and they just stay just just stick with me for a minute angie i've got a it's not the best story in the world but you know how humans have impacted manatees um coming up in evolution so you know i've got a story there but before we get to that i promise why i love these so much and that is why they're (laughs) like elephants now you probably know the other species so there's three species that are just so different, but they're all related, closely related. So you have the manatees, the elephants, and then, drum roll, Angie knows, the... Hyrax! I know! This crazy rodent-looking badger. I don't even know what the rock Hyrex is. It's just its own thing. <laughs> it's, is it an herbivore? I was thinking about, this is how dorky I am. Like, you know, I was like, yeah. making the bed today and I'm yeah. like, is the Hyrax, is it an herbivore? Uh, I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So they eat plants too. So that's what, something they all have in common. The, well, Chris, you'll, ha- you'll, ha- you'll have to put on the show notes a picture of all three of these closely related species with a little side note that these three guys are all more closely related than a manatee he, is to yeah. a whale or a dolphin. It's oh, just, yeah. It's bizarro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you have the elephant, so you, you the largest terrestrial ha- animal, right? Yeah. 
and then you have the manatee, an ocean-going mammal, and then you have this rodent thing, rock hyrax, <laughs> and they're all super closely related. It's insane. And, you know, one of the things I have, and, and I'll put this picture up again on the show notes, is the toenails of manatee. It looks like an elephant foot. It looks sure, like yes, an elephant the, foot. Yeah. The, the front flippers, if you zoom in on it, yeah. they have three to four toenails. Right. Obviously, <laughs> dolphins and whales don't have that. Don't have that, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, very similar yeah. to a to an elephant. But then, I guess this begs the question for me: What does a hyrax have that's like those guys? Okay, so they okay, mammary glands under the armpits. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So up top, you know, you think of cows. Some of the other ruminants, the even-toed ungulates, the udders are in, in the rear of the animal. These are sure, all up like front. A- uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, almost like primates. You know, they're they're okay. up front, the mammary glands. They replace their teeth like elephants. Okay. So their teeth get they're not permanent molars like ours. They have a set of teeth that grow throughout their life. And then, mm-hmm. really, what happens? I know with elephants is when they get to old age, they you know they've ran out of growing teeth, and so then they they end up starving to death because they can't chew food, stuff like that. One of the other things that Jonathan and I talk about. And, and I'll save it for Thursday, but obviously we're looking at repro internal testes. Oh, right. So the, yeah, the testes are inside, mm-hmm. you know, unlike most other mammals. So for thermal regulation, things like that. And then what Jonathan's looking specifically with Danielle, you know, with the elephants is sperm cell morphology. And that's highly conserved, uh, you know, through millions of years. And so they're looking at the ultrastructures and comparing things like mitochondria and all this other stuff. So we talk about it Thursday, but yeah, it's just fascinating, fascinating that. These well, three and I think it's a, so another great related. example of cover, uh, convergent evolution, where basically a land animal, however millions of years ago, um, yeah. went from land into the ocean. Right. Yeah. So that was my next question. So with looking at manatee evolution, so what came first? Was it the land animal going to water or was it a water Mm -hmm. animal coming to land? Because if you think like basic biology, I always thought, oh, the lizards came out of the oceans and, you know, then they became terrestrial. Right. And so I thought, oh, there must have been some water mammal that came up on land that developed into the elephant, right? I don't know. That's what I used to think. But you're unconvinced. I'm looking at you. You're like, no, that's not right. (laughs) You're right. It's not right. yeah, no, okay, okay, yeah, no, no, they went, yeah, they went, land animal went into the, the water, sea. yeah, yeah, Which is, I, that's the, I feel like that's me, like, if I had another hundred years, hundred million years to evolve, like, I would go back into the sea. The, you know. would end up being a mermaid, <laughs> a real mermaid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, it, yeah, so current theory has the manatees, distant relatives, going into the water. And they trace this back to a, a really primitive hoofed animal, condylarths, that lived. Mm-hmm. It lived along the seas like 60 million years ago, like just so yeah, long ago. Yeah, 60 million. That's yeah. a long time. Yes. So that's another reason to care. Like we don't want to screw up something oh. that we don't want to terminate because of human activity. Uh, terminate something that happened like is like 60 million years in yes. the making. That's. That's why I cover this, Angie. This is why, not only is it fun, like it's fun being dorky and thinking, you know, history. 60 million years, like what does that even look like? Yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's what makes me so sad for so many species that it took nature so long. 
and we're wiping them out in a blink of an eye. But anyways, the first Serenian was found about 40 million years ago, and they found this fossil in Jamaica. So, cool. Yeah, I know. Hey, Jamaica. But And I describe this one as it looks like a fat otter with four limbs. I mean, that's what it looks like to me, the, the, the picture that they have of it. And then if you go back, the first sea cows, about, you know, 25 million years ago, the, the, they, the fossils they're finding kind of look like modern uh, manatees and dugongs. The, you know, the streamlined bodies, the flippers and the tail. Now, the dugong was kind of the ancient one, and then the manatee branched out about 15 million years ago. So okay. you're, you're, you're talking a long, long time. Now, drum roll, my favorite part of the week. The largest sea cow ever Ooh. is, you know this. I do know this. Okay, so it is the Stellar's Sea Cow. Mm-hmm. And usually when I do this, I, I say, you know, I find the most ancient mammal I can find that was the biggest, right? Like we mm-hmm. did the Syrian camel, lived 100,000 years ago, size of an elephant. This one lived 300 years ago or 250 really 260 270 years ago yeah it hasn't been gone for that long no and they got up to 30 feet or nine meters that's crazy weighed 10 tons i know i saw that's insane i saw a picture of like a human next to one and yeah it's like a whale yeah a human next to a whale huge huge and so it was first discovered in 1741 in the bering sea and then within 30 years, they were extinct. Like, just, I want to cry thinking about I that. I know. Like, they find these wonderful, majestic beasts, and within 30 years, between Russia and the U.S., you know, that part of the world, they they, they wiped them out. Just completely wiped them out quickly. So, you know, 30 years, so yeah. quickly, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just horrible. It's horrible to think about. Well, we're but, not going to let that happen again. We're no, not going to let that happen no. again. There's lots of people working really hard for at least the West Indian man, uh, West Indian manatee, but I think for some of the other mm-hmm. species as well. So, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of conservation efforts. Now, manatees can live up to 50 years, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if you found anything. Uh, no, I think a lot of it's still a lot unknown, obviously in the in the wild, and uh, so yeah, I think right, it's around right. around 50, up to 70 potentially. Yeah, pretty pretty long. A males are bulls, females are cows. A group is called a herd, or do you know the other one? It's kind hmm. of a weird word. No, I don't. I mean, I would have just gone with Aggre- a herd. Aggregation. Yeah, herd. Aggregation, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so funny. All these different terms. I yeah. like that one. I would just call them a herd. Yeah, I would just call them a herd. Now, you, you were talking about the cold stress, and so, you know, I looked a little bit into this. Well, it kind of you you studied you did a lot of your re- PhD research on heat stress, so right. I, I figured right. yeah I'd leave the cold stress to you since it's somewhat similar but in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really because they they have these low metabolic rates, mm-hmm. and so what that means is they produce less energy. I guess their muscles don't produce as much heat. You know, they don't require as much oxygen. They don't need to eat as much, I guess, to provide the nutrients they need. 
So due to these low metabolic rates, they can't thermoregulate as well. Well, they don't have the, the blubber in the same way. I mean, obviously, they have some, right. but they don't have it in the same way that a male or um, a dolphin will. Yeah, have. and you know, and whales, dolphins, and even pinnipeds, you know, our seals, walruses, they eat fish. They eat, you know, they're kind of maybe omnivores or, or carnivore diets. A higher fat diet, All Right, yes, so definitely. they're getting some more nutrients, whereas this is completely herbivore. So, again, mm-hmm. you know, cold stress is, is the enemy for them. You know, just in 2010 in Florida, 246 died, you know, due to cold yeah. stress. So, you know, and John, it's interesting, Jonathan, just give you kind of a, a heads up. Uh, the power plants in Florida, which this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of the power plants that are near the oceans, the manatees have come to learn to depend on them to stay sure, warm. Sure, yeah, that's where I've seen. Mm-hmm, I've seen them outside of Fort Myers right. at a power plant there, and yeah, they uh, the power plants, of course, kick out uh, some of their warm or hot water, mm-hmm. and then in order and then recirculate cool water to cool off some of the generators right. or whatever it is that they they do. And yeah, the manatees hang out there and. They have historically for years. So the question is, if these power plants go away yeah. someday, which potentially you know, potential yeah. energy solutions to, that yeah. they might, yeah, then what are these guys going to do that have been who, you know, the, the moms have bringing their calves there. So now the calves have learned to go there. The re, their repeat customers will come back to the same spot the next year. And they are very well protected. I mean, the different cities will rope things off mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, no boats or pedestrians or anything can bother them. So they are very protected in those areas. But, yeah, it's just how it's, once again, when humans inter- interfere with Mother Nature, it's 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 That's, tough. Yeah, that was kind of the point I was making is, you know, these animals adapting, uh, you know, to human intervention. And then all of a sudden, bam, we take that away from them. How's that going to affect the manatee population? And and I'm sure there's going to be, you know, once those happened, you know, some die off, which is is sad, is sad. The some other just factoids: they can hold their breath up for 20 minutes, but you know, what every three to four minutes they come up and, and take a breath normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their their lungs kind of yeah. You know, again, what these aquatic mammals is just so incredible. Like going back. Oh to blue yeah, whales. their adaptations. Yeah, they they replace ninety percent of the air in their lungs, and we only replace ten percent of the air in our lungs mm-hmm. when we breathe, which is crazy. Well, and these lungs too, they help regulate their buoyancy, and the, they extend the length of their body, which helps control mm-hmm. uh, their position. Now, you did say that you know they eat grass, they're herbivores, you know these floating or shoreline or submerged plants. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they can eat, yeah, they can graze on up to 60 different species of aquatic plants or seagrasses is the way that I like to think of them in both the fresh and salt water. So, and the manatees they have that split upper lip. It's like prehensile which helps them grab food. Uh and and some researchers say that it's similar to an elephant trunk, but obviously way shrunk down if you think right, about right. it. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly enough, too, I know they're called sea cows, uh, but they don't always live in the sea, and they definitely aren't like a cow in their nutrition. No. no. Except for they they do eat grass, but so manatees are non-ruminants, and they're hind gut fermenters, similar to the horse, so that they have a long co- a long colon for di- digestion. But unlike the horse, 
their digestion takes a lot longer, probably because of the slow metabolic rate, and also to extract as many nutrients from these grasses as possible, because it takes 148 hours for food to pass through their digestive tract. Oh, that's crazy. So I'll tell you what, uh, for me and my friend uh, Taylor and Jesse, I am glad that we do not have to do digestive trials. Studies. Studies on these (laughs) guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We'd be there for for weeks, right? I know. I know. Yeah. Collecting lots of poop. Yeah, but then Uh like waiting, you know, waiting that first 148 hours for like the marker to go through or to to figure out what's going on. So, yeah. um, The other thing. And, and they'll also, interestingly enough, use those front flippers, which have finger bones in them, too. I don't know if we mm-hmm, pointed that mm-hmm. out yet. So they have, it's almost like mm-hmm. if you took your hand and just put all the fingers together. like you Right, right. Uh, and the fingernails and everything, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they use that to dig up roots. And then they can also, mm-hmm. they use the flippers to steer while they're swimming, but they can also help manipulate food in their mouth, which makes them even more adorable. My, my, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of times they'll feed them lettuce, like in the aquariums, and they just yeah. are like putting this, like, lettuce in their mouth, and it's just super, uh, yeah, uber yeah. precious. Uh, now, yeah. there are reports, of course, they're an, um, an herbivore or a marine mammal, one of the, uh, mm-hmm. but there are reports that they can eat invertebrates and fish in both mm-hmm. the wild and living under human care. So I don't know how often mm-hmm. that is or what what sparks that behavior. And as yeah. I, I'm sure you point out in your interview with Jonathan or Jonathan points out is we still don't, there's so much we don't know about them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's, yeah, we, there's a mm-hmm. lot we don't know. It's, it's one of the, the, the few mammals that have people like Jonathan studying them. Mm-hmm. They do, you know, and I did read, they, they eat up like 10% of their body weight a day. Yeah. Like 100, which 100 can be 50 kilograms. So yeah, which over, uh, which can be over a hundred kilograms, which that's kind of like you. Like they eat you and lettuce. Like if you were, oh, I was like, I don't eat that much. No, a day. yeah, but if you <laughs> were, saying, if you were basically just a giant lettuce, that's like what they I would know. eat all day. Pretty yeah, funny, huh? Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we're like you. And so, yeah. uh, uh, in pop quiz, yeah. Chris, uh, how many hours yeah. a day do you think they graze on these sea grasses? Oh gosh, if they're eating that much, I, I would imagine. I imagine they're seventy percent of the day. Probably just like another herbivore. It's a, you, it's a little yeah. high on the higher. You went a little over for prices right rules. Sixty percent. Um, six to eight hours mm. a day. So that's going to be about fifty percent. Mm-hmm. No, no less than that. Thirty. Uh, that's we, we suck at. That's going to be about thirty-three <laughs> percent. I think thirty like percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not good at math, <laughs> With the S, I can be. It's yeah, just I'm yeah, a little we, slow. Uh, it's a dyslexia kicking in. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then being this. Animal that goes from you know fresh to brackish to ocean water. What do they drink? Like how do they they filter? Right, that's a question I yeah have. yeah me too. And from what I can find, that they they do require water, and obviously they prefer fresh water from the from the springs and the rivers when they're in them. But then mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. when they're in the oceans, they have they they do have to consume water. Yeah, so that was I, I. I ran down this rabbit hole a little bit, and you know, and I always assumed it was the kidneys. You know, that's a, just basic f- physiology. Mm-hmm. The kidneys filter. I mean, the liver filters a lot of stuff for us too, but the kidneys are really, especially with salt, is really important. And so, you know, kind of looking into this and some of the studies that they're doing. So the dugong is a strictly marine saltwater Syrian. 
So they have evolved to, to live, drink, eat, everything like that. The manatee, since it goes back and forth, it really has a specialized kidney. And this researcher out of, uh, it's Dr. Malif out of Ohio. He has found that the manatee kidneys, and, and I'm just reading this direct quote, has an astounding ability to concentrate the urine, which helps retain fresh water to at least six, 1,160 millimoles per liter. And salt water is about 1,000 millimoles per liter of salt. So anyways, what to, to sum that up, what he's saying is their kidneys are so specialized that their urine is like highly, highly full of salt that they filter it out, mm-hmm. right? And they retain some of the fresh water. So... Also, when you're in the water, your their urine was floating by. That was highly lots of salt in there, Angie. Keep your mouth closed. And Chris, don't tell anybody, but mine was too. Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. the, the the small little mouth that was a, actually able to uh, seep out of that wetsuit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, warms it up, right? <laughs> exactly. That water was cold yes. for me. It was February. Oh. So, you know, some of the behaviors of repro, I've got some things for you, but I wanted to see what you found. Sure. Uh, so the way that I, I I think a lot about their movement. So that's what I've observed just sitting there for hours in my cold pee, mm-hmm. pee soaked mm-hmm. wetsuit. <laughs> uh, and then of course, um, seeing them in the fishbowl at Homosassa Springs. And then of course, just in the wild in general, but their activity is awesome. I think the way that they move and they propel through water is they can swim up to 20 miles an hour in short bursts. Yeah. And I just think of them as like the sloth of the sea. Like they're not, I mean, they're not that slow, but mm-hmm. they, when they move, it's like a dolphin, but in slow, slow motion. And mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. going to be active at both day and night and they rest for a long time. But of course, when they're resting, they have to come up for air every few minutes. And they are really agile though for like a, like you I know you describe them as a sausage I call them ro- right, I call right. them rotund uh roly poly yes, teddy yes. bears they are really agile and they can do complex maneuvers somersaults rolls swimming upside down barrel mm-hmm. rolls body surfing they like play with mm-hmm. each other and you know for a 1000 or 1200 pound animal to do this it's pretty interesting and and right, fun right. to watch too so, but they are largely solitary, except for a lot of times they'll form these loose aggregations, like you said, uh, when they're together. And that's usually in the wintertime where they're kind of coveting or trying to find these warmer areas. They'll also, you'll also see them, to, if you see a, a group of them together, it might actually be a breeding group where it's one female being chased by 20 males. Oh, it's crazy. That was what I was going to bring up because... When Jonathan, in his early stages of his research, he, you know, taught us, and, and I didn't know this, all about what we knew about the manatees, which again wasn't very much. But they get in these mating herds, and it's this one female being chased by all these males, and they come and try to mate, you know, and I think multiple males mate with one female. Yeah, they're definitely polyandrous. The female will breed with multiple males and different males each season. Yeah, and it was Jonathan wanted to, it it was amazing, and I loved his ideas, but he wanted to know, okay, here's my question. How do the males know she's in heat, Mm -hmm. and how do they know where she's at, 
right? It's right. a big right, ocean. Live, it's a big ocean, and yeah. they live solitary, right. and they don't form pair bonds. So technically, each time it's time to breed, they have to find out where she is. And yeah. Not only do, and not only does the one male find her, like 20 males Yeah, that's her. the thing. It's not one. It's a bunch. And yeah. so we were like thinking, you know, is it, you know, I thought maybe behavior, maybe there's some infrasound that she's doing to, to let them hone in on her. You know, they, then we talked about maybe pheromones, but then how do pheromones work in an ocean? How well can they smell? Mm-hmm. It was, and then for him to design a project around that was science, near, yay! Yeah, yeah but it awesome. would take it would take years and years and I know, years and years to, I know. to, to well, answer that question. Well, what what they do know is that at this point, researchers don't believe that they use any echolocation, mm-hmm. uh, but they and they don't have vocal cords, mm-hmm. but they do use various forms of communication in the water. They make noises like chirping, whistles, squeaks. Researchers believe it's probably produced by the larynx, mm-hmm. and they'll do these these sounds when they're frightened, sexually aroused, uh, interacting with each other. And of course, uh, these vocalizations are a very integral part of the cow calf or the mom baby relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And researchers have reported too that the individuals will rub themselves against hard surfaces, so they think that that might secrete scent information about the reproductive status of the females. Mm-hmm. And then also manatees are known to often sometimes eat poop on their yeah. um, others defecation. And they're wondering if that might be a behavior too, to like test the, since like you said, they maybe the pheromones Estrus, can't get yeah. through the water, but yeah, maybe they're, I mean, estrogen, we know yeah. estrogen is definitely released in the poop, right? We yeah. can, we can, test an animal's estrous cycle measure, yeah. from the poop. poop so yeah, yeah you, you mean it's so they don't know you're right they definitely don't know um yeah yeah but yeah he, he wanted he wanted to answer that question but it would cost millions of dollars and well hopefully i'll get a postdoc in there <laughs> yeah, thousands and thousands of hours i know but yeah, that, i mean it, it's it would, a, it's it would a, be cool well it's an important question too as these numbers are dwindling mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. how do we help keep population stable where are they coming to breed yeah how do they find each other uh Mm -hmm. so but yeah if you'll bear with me i have a little clip of their vocalizations now that it's almost like dolphins you know you, you you the dolphin squeaks and stuff None of the clicks, though, right? The, the Amazon River dolphins click, but yeah, yeah, it's more like yeah, it's it's really neat. It's just yeah, it's like chirps and whistles, yeah. and they usually when a newborn calf, right after it's born, mm-hmm. it will do these these chirps or whistles, mm-hmm. and they think it's to help start forming the pair bond. Right, and yeah. Oh, the so pictures with the moms those... and the babes is just the best. Oh, it's oh, so it's... sweet. Yeah, so sweet. I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll put some uh, some photos up on the show notes, but yeah. man, yep. if you haven't ever, or just YouTube manatee videos, because they're mom, you know, mom and calf manatee. No, it's it's amazing that, you know, the the moms and the babes, but, you know, when do they wean, I guess, is my question. And, sure. I mean, they do have long lives. I mean, 50 years is a long time. Oh, yeah, Chris. I mean, they have a really, really long lives for, 
general animal like like us basically uh but yeah the female she's going to have her gestation period is going to be 12 to 14 months she'll typically produce only one calf now one of the problems or one of the reasons why there's such a threat um for being becoming extinct is because their inner birth interval is only three to five years so they don't have it's not like they have a calf every year not even even close and they also the calves are going to start consuming plants a few weeks after they give birth but they're dependent on their moms for about two years and the mother young pair is very stable and long term. So we, this this week again, we keep fe- featuring all these super moms. Right. right. <laughs> It'll definitely. Oh well, yeah, every mom's a super mom. Every mostly. mom. Yeah. Thank you. That is true. Until but- we do seahorses, I <laughs> we will do seahorses soon. I that has been on. I know we haven't brought that up. That is on our short list at that some point. That is a point. super because dad. That, I, yeah, I know, oh, and man. it's almost Father's Day. I wanted to do it during oh, Father's Day. but that's actually a good idea. Maybe we but it's that. a little... Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk off air. But anyways, seahorses. We have to do seahorses. Yeah. But no, yes, and most, most are super mom. But yeah, super parents. But yeah, the mantis yes. once again, super mom. And they think that the mother and calf, uh, they basically have this long parental care uh time because it probably aids in the transfer of information about migration routes and other really important learned information. But once this calf grows up, whether it's a male or female, it is going to go off on its own and be solitary for the most part until it's breeding time. And now Chris and a male, here's another situation that adds Mm -hmm. to their potential ability to become extinct is the fact that a male is not going to reach full reproductive maturity be- until he's about eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah, now they can yeah. they 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 technically have the quote unquote ability to reproduce or breed huh. as early as two, but just in general, their reproductive rates are low, and so that's an oh yeah they're not going to com- compete exactly. with the bigger males either and, in those breeding herds. Yeah. yeah, and then of course all these bulls are then going to. S- pursue this one receptive female we don't know how she's receptive or why right that's what jonathan wanted mm-hmm. to study but yeah so then he's competing with like 20 other dudes you know so yeah. i mean to spread <laughs> his genetics yeah. so it's, it's yeah. it can be a little tough uh, and then and now on the female side of things female reproduction tends to kick in at about four to five years of age However, she's not typically a cow is typically not going to be successfully bred until she's seven to nine. So once again, I mean, we're talking up to ten years that they have to yeah. not get, and then only have a calf every three right. to five. So right. So their generation interval mm-hmm. is pretty slow, and that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. it's hard for them to rebound, even with all the protections mm-hmm. that, of course, I know the state of Florida and. The United States in general, and of course, other countries have put into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you know, that that kind of leads into conservation status, and you know, with less than ten thousand West Indian manatees, you know, about twenty three hundred Florida. Is that that's what I found? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Less than twenty five mature individuals in Florida. Twenty five hundred, right? Uh, yeah. Twenty five hundred. Yeah. The population's estimated to climb at least twenty percent over the next two generations, yeah. or about forty years due to anticipations with um, changes in their migration and warm weather habitats. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, one of the biggest problems is uh, boat traffic. Yeah, 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 and especially as Florida grows and grows and grows and, you know, more and more people, yeah. 
So the IUCN, the International Union of Conservation Nature, does declare uh, the West Indian manatee as vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But more recently, in the past 30 years or so, maybe even longer than that, the manatee in the U.S. has been on the endangered uh, U.F. federal list for the uh, Fish and Wildlife Services. However, with this current administration... I'll just let my tone do my talking. Yes. Uh, about a year ago, um, the U.S. Secretary of, In- of Interior, Ryan Zinke, announced the federal reclassification of the manatee from endangered to threatened. Right. So, so they lose those protections, he, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, people are still right? fighting yeah. for it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's lost its protections, but there's a bill. Yes. it's it. Well, it's interesting. Jonathan and I kind of get into this a little bit, and we can kind of save the politics for – Thursday's talk, you know, looking at, uh, you know, yeah, I'm lightening some of the, yeah, tonight. I know, lightening <laughs> the regulations and, you know, you got tourists who don't care about manatees. They want to go super fast in their boats and they hate these no wake zones and things like that. So we, Jonathan and I kind of talk about that, you know, especially because he has dealt with a lot of, you know, necropsies. And so I talk, you know, what, what's the main cause, you know, is it boat strikes? Is it, you know, drowning? Is it, you know, cold stress? So yeah, I, it's the regulations are in there for, for a reason and less regulation, especially, you know, in our national parks or wildlife, it's just, come on, like, come on. So in Florida alone, 85% of the manatees shows show horrible scars caused by boat propellers And yeah. over 130 a year, 130 a year die in Florida. Yeah, and that's how they identify them is is by the scars. That's how they ID ID the animals. You know mm-hmm. what boat scars do they have, and then they know which animals which. So. Yeah, and so I mean that's the threats. Obviously, it's human induced for the most mm-hmm. part because they don't really have any natural predators. No, Basically, none. What no. I was reading is an when, when if and when manatees and alligators cross paths here in Florida, yeah. the alligator looks the other way. Yeah, it's, it's like, like that manatee's gonna, gonna crush I mean, the manatee is like the most gentlest creature ever. It wouldn't yes. even, I mean, it could yeah. never do anything, but it's, it's obviously, its size is pretty intimidating. Intimidating. And probably yeah. shape and yeah. all of that. So, yeah, I mean, but they're also a threat due to agricultural and industrial runoff to their waterways, so water pollution. And a lot of times these pollutants can accumulate inside the manatees and become toxic. Yeah, that's the West Indian. The West African, they're vulnerable, less than 10,000. Yeah. I was reading some stuff that, like, even the manatees get into the rice field, so they're kind of seen as a pest. So, again, you have human-wildlife conflict there. Oh, the dugong, okay. which has a huge territory. I mean, the Indian Ocean from Africa to Australia is enormous, and all the coastal areas, there's less than 10,000. So, you know, across the board, across oh, the wow. board. Okay. They, uh, they're, you know, it, it, it's it's another endangered species to keep our eyes on. Yeah. Now, well, and yeah. and there's ton- and there's tons of action conservation actions being taken. Yeah, place, it's perfect. Of like who's who's doing the work, Angie? Who's out there fighting the fight? Yes. Well, I'm very. This is why I don't know if I should do my singing now or later. Yes. But... <laughs> yeah. So. This is what made me happy. Interestingly enough, I a lot of times when in preparation for preparing for the podcast, I, I'll look into some of the conservation groups or zoological parks or researchers, universities that are working hard to protect these animals in the wild and wild places. And interestingly enough, one of the main ones that I found for the manatee 
is called Save the Manatee Club. And they can be found at www.savethemanatee.org. They also have a great Facebook presence. So I was really excited and I clicked on the page and I started reading about it. Besides the fact that they have won tons of conservation awards for being what, what, what I call like a clear and translucent charity. And the fact that uh, like Charity Navigator, I always look look at how high the organization is rated. And this one is like rated the highest. Super high. Just yeah. people love it. They give as much money, like most of their money directly back to protecting the animals and, and the wild places they live. So interestingly enough, the Save the Manatee Club, it is uh, it was established in 1981 by... None the other, Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. right? Like, Mr. Florida, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, and then yeah. also former U.S. Senator Bob Graham when he was a governor of Florida. So you get the music guy, you know, the Margaritaville guy, and yeah, the yeah, politician yeah. guy coming politician. together, okay, for a good cause 30-some-odd years ago to make this nonprofit uh, Manatee Club with the goal to basically protect manatees in their aquatic habitats for future generations by aiding the recovery and protection of manatees and the water they live in, not only here in Florida, but throughout the world. And I was just, I just got super excited because once again, I always, I always believe that these people that have star power or macro influencers should give back, right? And I know they do, right, and, right. but I always like it when they give back to endangered animals, right? That's kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out Jimmy Buffett, I was just super excited, and I put Jimmy Buffett on and jammed out to him all day. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know about you, Chris. You're probably I don't know if you're a fan or you're not a fan. I love okay, Jimmy Buffett. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, I love Jimmy Buffett, of course, all the sing along songs, but. I am a huge yeah. fan of old Jimmy, old school Jimmy Buffett, which is, um, yeah, there's yeah, a record yeah. called A1A, which is a road in Florida. If you mm-hmm. haven't checked it out, I highly, mm-hmm. highly, it's very, very different than Margaritaville. It's singer, songwriter, yeah. um, one of my favorite yeah. songs ever. One of the first songs I ever learned to play on guitar is called A Pirate Looks at 40. And, and oh, it yeah, begins yeah. with Mother, Mother Ocean, I Have Heard You Call. And so me being a water person, I've just always loved that song. And so anyways, this group is doing such amazing stuff. They sponsor research, rescue, rehabilitation, and release efforts. Uh, the Save the Manti Club will take legal action when appropriate, and they demand accountability by policymakers, right? Because obviously a policymaker helped found it, right? So they, they, they do get into politics when necessary. And they are huge into science, and they assist scientists and educators in the Caribbean, South America, West Africa, and of course, as scientists, I love them because they use science to help make science-based decisions to support science-driven policies. Bada bing, bada boom, bada. That's how you change the world, folks. All right. And, yeah. 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 That's and this what group you need is do, doing yeah. that. And if you have interest um, in Jimmy Buffett and manatees, like two of the greatest things ever. And yeah, my, yeah. I mean, I, oh my god, I'm like so Florida. I used to be yeah. like. I used to be like blueberries, blueberries, and like Bob Seger or Eminem or Madonna's from Michigan. Oh God! Uh, I am not a Kid Rock fan. I will say that, like whatever. Um, Anyways, so but no, no, I'm now I'm a Florida girl, and but if you do want to help out, save the Manatee Club. 
of course, their website's gorgeous. You can adopt manatees. You can, they have tons of merchandise you can shop at. You can donate. And you can also, they also have a great outline of how to actually act just by contacting your policymakers in your area uh, and letting them know that manatees are important to you. And they have like a template and a platform of how to do that. So towards, so towards the end of the song of Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett sings, I blew out my flip flop, stepped on a pop top. Cut my heel, had to cruise on back home. Okay, so I'll try singing it, and maybe that'll somebody get that. So and towards the end of the song, in one of the verses, he says, I blew out my flip-flop, stepped on a pop-top, cut my heel, had to cruise on back home. So John was singing that, and I realized he was singing, he stepped on a pop-tart. <laughs> like the cereal, like the the, yeah. the cereal bar thing from yeah, 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 that you yeah. eat. And I I pause the song and I just start laughing hysterically. I'm like, "What are you singing?" He's like, "You know." And I'm like, "He blew out his flip flop because he stepped on what?" And John <laughs> <Pop> says, "Pop tart." <laughs> and I just start laughing hysterically. And he didn't believe like he for. 20 years, Chris had thought that it was Pop Tarts. <laughs> and that had always. Pop Tarts. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, how would a Pop Tart like cut your heel? Like, I don't understand. Like, what is, how is that even a thing? Anyways, we got in this huge, like, huge thing about it. Debate, and uh... I was right because, of course, thank God for Google, right? What did we do before, before we had Google? Yeah. And, and he had to eat crow and it was really funny. And this day, mm. like, whenever that song comes on, I just crack up and, uh. Don't yeah, step on so... Pop Tarts. <laughs> Yeah. And and he he still claims in Massachusetts they don't say pop, they say soda. So yeah, a pop top like, isn't a thing. Yeah. But anyways, it's funny. So uh yeah. I just love Jimmy Buffett and I'm and talking about yeah, yeah. and Jim, Jimmy Buffett yeah. make me a happy, happy person. Yeah. Makes My mom in law loves Jimmy Buffett and um I uh high school Fourth row, Jimmy Buffett in San Diego. Nice. Uh, See, I, he's on my bucket list. I've never, yeah. I've heard it. Some of the most, my my sister's been to like every concert, and she says it's the most fun she's ever had yeah. because of the crowd, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah I, I definitely got to go. Uh, I love yeah, Jimmy Buffett's awesome. So, you know, conservation tips. Again, you know, each thing. If we keep building upon this, so if you're listening to this, please make this commitment to us at the show, and then to you. I want you to commit to buying your own straw. We we are fighting the fight to, to eliminate single-use plastics. I will go buy straws for the family today. I have been meaning to do it. I'm making this commitment today. I've got to go to the store anyways and get groceries for the week. I am buying reusable straws. And Angie brought up a great organization earlier that we're going to link again to the show notes that you can buy your own straw that you carry in your purse or right around the keychain. It's like a keychain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the, uh, the straw folds right out of, out of it. So you always have it with you and it's really easy to clean. Yeah. And uh, if Chris puts the link up there, you definitely have to get one. I love mine. Yeah. And the other one too, it's another step. Another level mm-hmm. is carrying your own, uh, cuddlery yeah. or silverware <laughs> we'll get there we'll like get it's... there on that one <laughs> i got english for a second i uh, silverware if you if yeah if you can have some of your uh some of your own in your purse yes. depending on how big your purse is yeah. i have a very big purse with endless crazy that's pockets. true that's true you know some plastic or something so, in a bag that you know mm-hmm. that yeah so, or the pla- and if you're not that plastics. committed i i feel i feel yeah i forget mine sometimes but 
if anything, just whenever I get to go, I just say no silverware, no napkins. Like I'm, I'm going to eat it at home. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I don't need that extra stuff that extra yeah, junk. Yeah. Then we just need to, 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 to keep working on it. So, so please make a commitment to buy your own straws. I'm going to do that. And you know, again, we just take these little steps, little steps, little steps. There's thousands of us now out there listening so, you know, when we get up to millions with Angie and I, we'll be making a big difference for the planet, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, you know, we, we talked about, so the question is, why are manatees called sea cows? And it's just a, a funny nickname that has persisted through the centuries. It's because they're, they're not cows at all. They're not no. even related. And as Angie said, they're hindgut fermenters they don't even have ruminants like cows but because they i guess you know you talked a little bit about their their slow motion very and slow. Mm-hmm. yeah and that they just go around grazing slowly so they they've kind of come up with this moniker that they are sea cows and it's just stuck and it just it, it I just love it makes I mean, sense yeah, yeah it just makes sense you know, they're, they're slow cows of the water that just go around and just <laughs> eating these grasses. So, so there you go. So sea cows, mermaids, sirens, whatever you want to call them. Rolly poly teddy bears. I want to smooch their right. face, but I know I won't. Right. It's, right. it's illegal to touch them. Yeah. yeah don't touch them. <laughs> so thank you. You know, subscribe, rate, review if you haven't. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to put up, I'm going to try to remember to put up Facebook. Please remind me if I don't, because I say this stuff and sometimes I don't do it. What's your favorite episode and why? Some feedback for Angie and us. You know, why did you like that episode? What did you like about it? Um, Where could we improve? You know, that's always constructive criticism is always welcome. You mean where? You you mean where can Chris improve? Yes, thank you, (laughs) thank you, Angie. You know, the thing is, you got to listen to the news. Jesse and I are really hammering on you, making (laughs) fun of you. No, no. It it, it would be cool to to have you and Jesse do a news segment without me and see how that goes. But, um, anyways. Another great episode, Ange. Thanks, Chris. I had a lot of fun. I'm still singing Jimmy Buffett as we fade out, man. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.